Why, hey there. My name is Darcy Jeremy. You're listening to another episode of the Business of Ergonomics podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about the general principles of seat design and some really useful considerations to include when you're making recommendations to your clients. Let's do this. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Thanks for listening to this episode. What I want to do today is save you time when deciding on what shares to recommend to your clients at the same time as give you principles that you can use going forward in your ergonomics career, whether you've been doing this for years or you're just starting off. Sometimes we need some refreshers to get going. Now, before I jump into this episode, I want to let you know about signing up for the waitlist of the Accelerate program. Yes, yes, Accelerate is opening at the end of June for enrollment. I'm so pleased to finally be opening the doors again. But I want to let you know in a little a little secret. Those folks on the waitlist are going to be getting a snazzy training that they're going to be invited to. And I want to make sure that you're on that wait list. So head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo, and you'll be able to get all the details of this training that's going to be happening next week when you listen to this podcast. And as we head up to the opening of enrollment, I'll be letting the wait list know of some juicy secrets and bonuses for being on that list. Let's jump into this episode. A lot has been written about seat design, and there's all sorts of novel designs out there. I'm, I'm sure you've seen them before. There's the, the chairs that don't look like chairs, the chairs that don't support, the ball stability chairs. There's so many options. And my purpose here is not to look at the specific makes and models of chairs, but really some basic information that has been foundational for the ergonomics profession for years. If you want to ask me what the best chair out there in the market today is, well, it depends. It depends on the chair that your client finds the most comfortable sitting in after (laughs) just a few hours. And the problem is that different people find different chairs best for them. There's no one best chair for everyone. The best approach is to provide two or three good designs from which your clients can choose from. One of the biggest factors in looking for a really good chair for your client is a chair that promotes lumbar lordosis. And what this means is that when you're standing straight, the lumbar portion of the back is naturally curved inwards. However, when someone's sitting, 
with the thighs at 90 degrees, the lumbar region of the back flattens out and it can even assume and convex, that is, um, a, an outward bend. And under normal circumstances, we don't want this to be recommended to our clients because it increases the pressure on the discs located between the vertebrae of the spine. Why is this so important? Well, the disc between the vertebrae can be damaged by excessive pressure. And unsupported sitting, so that means not using a backrest, increases disc pressure considerably over that experienced while standing. And get this, unsupported sitting in a forward slumped posture increases pressure 90% compared to standing. Especially considering all of our clients who are working from home right now, this speaks to the holistic nature of what true ergonomic solutions can do for our clients. What this means, we can't rely on a chair, especially if our clients don't even have those chairs. Break-taking strategies and habits often can't be overlooked because even if the client is using the best possible chair with the most support, they truly need to be limiting the amount of sitting. I am going to be going into the types of chairs that try to replicate standing and movement in the um, office. However, according to this research, it just doesn't compare to getting up and moving in your day instead of relying on the chair. Besides getting up, moving our bodies, that I love to recommend to our clients, we can't ignore the engineering controls, especially in chair design. And this is why some of the research is pointing to, and many ergonomic standards across the world, that one way to reduce the disc pressure is to use a reclined backrest. And it's important to know that a lumbar support also reduces the disc pressure, as does the use of armrests. Note if the armrests are adjusted accordingly to support a neutral optimal posture, because many armrests, as you know, are um, awkwardly positioned for our clients that can result in more musculoskeletal discomfort over time. But that's a tangent. <laughs> use of a lumbar support also reduces disc pressure, as does the use of armrest. But with a reclined backrest, the effect of armrest is insignificant. There are ways to relax the muscles of the back without sacrificing the health of the discs. One researcher, for instance, many, many years ago, found the reduction in muscular activity in the back was when the backrest was reclined up to 110 degrees. Beyond this point, about 110 degrees, there was little additional relaxation in, that, in those muscles of the back. And interesting enough, the effects of a lumbar support on muscle activity 
have been mixed. And that's just muscle activity, not the result in the intervertebral discs. So what does this mean for you as an ergonomics consultant? Is the best posture 90 degrees? Or is it more reclined? When I do ergonomics assessments, I recommend to my clients to keep your backrest reclined between 95 and about 113, 115 degrees. Of course, that includes having that lumbar support in an optimal position. The next thing I want to talk about are dynamic chairs. They have been marketed as the solution to sitting on a computer all day um, to optimize the health of our backs. I'm curious what the research says on this and if they really are the silver bullet that they've been marketed as. So as a background, the human body is simply not made to sit in one position for long periods of time. The discs between the vertebrae depend on changes in pressure to receive nutrients and remove waste products. And discs also don't have a blood supply. Fluids are exchanged by osmotic pressure. Okay, what I'm getting to here, without going down the physiology and anatomy rabbit hole, is that sitting in one posture, no matter how good it is, will result in reduced nutritional exchanges and in the long term may promote degenerative processes in the discs. So here are some concerns of sitting in the same position for too long, like when you or your clients are working on computers. It promotes static loading of the back and shoulder muscles, of course, and this can result in aches, pains, and cramping. No surprise there. It also causes restriction in blood flow to the legs, interesting, which can cause swelling and discomfort. Here's how those dynamic chairs are fitting into the overall picture here. The chair design can reduce this fixed posture positions by allowing that user to rock in the chair and assume a variety of postures. I like to recommend to my clients that they use a free float um, position. That's when the chair is in what's called a synchro chill and it's not locked in position. So it's almost like a rocking chair. Of course, if it matches what the task they're working on and that it's not going to result in them sitting in awkward positions to get the task done, because that would almost defeat the, pr- the purpose of a dynamic type of sitting. Okay, okay. So that's a lot of information about chairs. Some of this may be a review. However, it's kind of nice to reflect on how far you've come and looking at chairs and putting that place into um, how you run your consulting or maybe consider when you want to jump into it. What does this all mean? Well, no matter the best type of chair that we get for our clients, I would wager this, that they are likely not going to adjust that chair. Um, When I do ergonomics assessments, probably about 10% of people actually know how to adjust their chair and actually make the adjustments. So 
as a final thought in today's episode, I would love you to consider and put into action some ways that would be valuable for your clients and easy for them to know of how they can make chair adjustments themselves, make sure that chair is set up for themselves, and do this for the long term. If you can figure this out, please let me know. (laughs) I've been trying to do this for almost decades at this point. Let me know. Share it with me so I can share it with the members of Accelerate and further listeners to this podcast. Thanks so much, guys. This is Darcy Jeremy. So Can't wait to talk to you If you like what you soon. heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. And you can get started today.